Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Well, welcome to another edition of Punch Coals in the Darkness. It's a podcast produced by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan for pastors and leaders of this great state and others within our Baptist side. And we do this to provide encouragement, inspiration, and information in order that we may all better be prepared to punch holes in the darkness. Hi, I'm Tim Patterson, your executive director treasurer here at the Baptist State Convention and your host today. And today we have the infamous, I don't know infamous, maybe famous, uh, David Whitaker from way up in the north, way up there. David Whitaker is at Houghton Baptist Church and has done an admirable job leading that wonderful church up there. And uh, David, welcome. Welcome, my friend, to Punching Holes in the Darkness. Awesome. Good afternoon. Man, it's good to have you with us today. Hey, listen, Dave, before we get started, let's talk about family. I have, I always like to hear what, uh, what you guys are up to and what your family, how your family is growing and doing. So once you introduce us, uh, on the podcast to your family. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been married 17 years now. Uh, we've got four beautiful children, all different types of personality and, and energy and whatnot. Uh, but probably the, the newest uh, addition to our family is our seven-week-old uh, little Cooper, Dean <laughs> August. Um, Tim, he is uh, such a blessing. Uh, definitely was a surprise. In fact, um, last year, my wife and I had got COVID. Um, and then about a week, two weeks after we started to recover, lo and behold, she started feeling nauseous again. And we were like, well, what is going on? And, uh, she said, I think I'm pregnant. And I said, come on, we have an eight year gap between our kids. And so we just didn't think it was possible. And all my health issues that I battle with daily that are now going on about five and a half years. Um, we just never thought it'd be a possibility. So sure enough, pregnant. And, uh, we've got this new bundle of joy and, uh, he, it's it's pretty incredible to kind of just ground us um having a new little one i'm 41 she's 36 um but i tell you what we're uh i think we're handling it uh, family's doing well uh, my oldest son and my oldest daughter they are loving on this baby and our youngest Kipton, our seven-year-old um he, he's doing okay i think he's having the hardest time adjusting <laughs> uh, but uh mama loves him i love him and uh, it's kind of given us a break from just the chaos of ministry and church and leadership uh, and just enjoying our time as a family the best that we can. Well, that that's awesome. You have, you have a sweet family, precious family. Your wife is awesome. Uh, it's been a privilege for us to get to know you guys and, and see your life and ministry as you grow as a family and as you grow as a church. And absolutely, those babies can be a respite from the rest of this world. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they can restore you and your passion and calm your heart. Uh, just by holding one of them. I think that's one of the things that's is so good about a baby. You can hold a baby and everything just kind of slows down. 
gets in perspective. So, well, right. Dave, that is so cool. And we're so proud of you guys and what you do. Hey, listen, Dave, I, I just a couple of questions for the folks who may not know you or sure. uh, have any idea of who you might be. Uh, tell us a little bit about your history and where you're from and uh, how you got to be in Houghton, Michigan. Okay. So uh, I'm a PK, uh, pastor's kid, uh, grew up in the church, um, just lived and breathed Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. You you name the day of the week we were in church. Uh, and then when I was about 17 years old, my, uh, uh, my dad had actually an affair. Uh, his ministry fell apart um, and really broke up the family dynamic. Uh, and then just um, I, I wanted nothing to do with the church and religion. Uh, of course, my dad was my hero, my idol. Uh, and, you know, he made a mistake and he fell like, uh, you know, so many do. And I spent the next probably 10 years running from God, running away from my faith. Um, definitely didn't want to do anything with ministry or pastoral ministry whatsoever. And I ended up coming to Houghton. Uh, to go to uh, Finlandia University, uh, take an art and design course. I really had, you know, just no hunger for anything. But I started attending Houghton Baptist Church about 18 years ago. Uh, this was the first church that I had walked in since my, you know, the falling out that my dad had with our family uh, in ministry. And the pastor just started discipling me. And one thing led to another. I met my wife there. We were doing youth ministry, um, you know, not on staff, but just serving the Lord. They brought me on as an associate about 14 years ago. Um, and I have been with Houghton Baptist Church ever since. Uh, I played a little bit of role as the associate and interim uh, and then lead pastor about 12 years. So uh, just, just basically staying in one spot. Uh, being anchored where God has called us to, which is HBC. It's amazing when uh, God gets hold of you, even though you may walk away, he never does. Amen. Love of God is consistent, even though ours is not. And he has been so in your life. And we've watched that. And you said, now, how long have you been this again, the senior pastor? How many years? I'm, I'm going into my 12th year 12. as the, the lead pastor and then 14 years on staff. And I mean, basically, uh, I had only been on staff as an associate four or five months when our lead resigned. So I've been pretty much leading the church, um, you know, in the best way I know how, and, you know, as God has led, of course, for the last 14 years. So basically what happened, you were there just as a youth worker and all of a sudden your pastor leaves and you're left holding the bag. No, yep. <laughs> no, I had, there anything. I had basically had preached one time when he resigned, it wasn't even a message. I mean, this thing was a mess. It was more of a, you know, a sloppy testimony. Um, but yeah, God just put me in, in a place and whether I was going to step up and, and obviously God's developed us and grown us, but yeah, we're, uh, we have been the fill-ins for, uh, 14 years. You know, that is not a typical way of a guy becoming the pastor of a church, but it's not no. unheard of, of course, but you kind of had to learn on, on the, on job training. Right. And you kind of had to grow up in that. I know you, of course you had, uh, uh, the ability to look at what your dad did and how he pastored and how he led. And I know you learned from that and everybody does, if they're in a pastor's home, they're going to pick up those kind of things. But of course, there are many things you didn't know. And, uh, you had to learn as you went along and I'm sure that been, a, that was been a difficult and uh, trying time it, it, for you. Uh, what have been some of the most, uh, 
difficult things for you to adjust to and learn, particularly in your early days of leading this church? I mean, people automatically go to what we're doing on stage, the messages, uh, the weddings, the funerals, you know, whatever, putting together worship services. Um, that's, that's what they tend to see and go to. But probably the, the most difficult thing that we have really faced since day one is just relational relationships within the church. Um, you know, you, you get connected to people, you grow with people, uh, you, you know, learn from them. You, you look at them, you know, the church world is different than the business world. We we're all relational. Uh, we're family, we're the body of Christ. And so losing people that were family, uh, some father like figures that were deacons, older deacons, you know, that, that came alongside of us, um, other key people in the church, losing those relationships and learning to not be consumed by them. I mean, be bitter, be angry, be hurt. I mean, you're going to go through this process, but that's probably been the most difficult thing for my wife and I. And I've always been a super forgiving person. I think growing up in the church, growing up in a pastor's family, you lose a lot of people, you get hurt a lot. And so to just learn to forgive and move past that, those are probably the greatest challenges we face. And then all the other stuff leading wise, you know, you learn as you go. Um, and I think because of my upbringing and then even some of the things that I saw from my parents' ministry and whatnot, um, you know, you, you try to learn, and do some of the opposite and, and you're going to make your own mistakes as you go too. So it's, it's been a battle all 14 years. <laughs> well, the, Dave, one of the things that you and I have discussed, and I've discussed this with many, many pastors is pastoring is not just, as you said, on Sunday mornings, it's not just in the pulpit. Pastoring is, is the other hours of the day and almost 24 hours a day. You're the pastor uh, to certain people. And I saw your church when, when you, when I first came here, you were trying to move them to where they were much more focused on outreach than on comfort things and doing things that they wanted, particularly because that's the way they'd always done it. You were concerned about reaching your community for Christ and you wanted to get outside the four walls and do things above and beyond what was going on inside the building. And of course that created a lot of tension in people's lives. There were many who were very comfortable, very satisfied with where they were. And, uh, basically God sent you there to afflict the comfortable, not to Mm. comfort the afflicted. Mm. (laughs) And so, uh, I know that was a difficult transition and a difficult time. It is for any church, but tell me, has, have you seen results from transitioning your church from being myopic or looking within themselves to looking outside? Have you seen some real victories and changes because of that? Yeah, I have. I'll say I'll say this. Number one, making the decision six years ago to spend more time focusing on reaching the lost, reaching the unchurched um, has cost our church greatly, has cost us personally, relationships, people, uh, people that you think are going to go the distance with you. Um, I actually think of the people that we've led to Christ and seen come to faith and been baptized and, and get plugged into the church. Um, and that's that's the rewarding part. But there's a cost with comes, you know, with, with, that comes with uh, being that evangelistic and also learning to Tim that 
I may be really good at reaching, leading, um, evangelizing, but but God seems to be moving these individuals into different churches past some of that, which is hard because what do we want to do as pastors and leaders? We we want to we want to catch them, we want to grow them, we want to lead them, and we want them to stay with us. And ultimately, that's really not our decision. So to to learn that the church is seasonal with people. Sometimes people come in six months, sometimes a year, sometimes you know longer. But learning as a pastor to go, you know what? There's a cost to all this. And I may not be able to keep all these people with me at HPC, which I would want to. That would be, believe me, that'd be my preference. Um, but we've seen such the, the move of God since we made those decisions. I mean, we've seen 50 plus people come to faith in Christ over the last five years. We've baptized now over 150 plus people. Uh, and, and just to note, my first eight years at HPC, I baptized 10 people. And in the last five years, to baptize over 150 is is super humbling. I mean, just just a month ago, we baptized three uh, three more individuals. Uh, fellow, 52 years old, said, "I've been following Christ my whole life. It's time to finally do this." Uh, we led two more to Christ just a month and a half ago. More people are joining, and I'd like to say, you know, it, it's all bells and whistles all the time. But I tell you what, as these people are are literally moving out of the grip of the enemy, the warfare has been so intense. And I almost feel it. And you would think each and every time I would remember, hey, you know what? Somebody's coming to know the, know, know Christ here soon or more being baptized. And you're just not prepared for the amount of warfare that comes with this type of ministry and mission. It's just not, it's not safe church. It's not ministry time clock um, church whatsoever. It's uh, it's battlefield type stuff. It's, and you're exactly right. Uh, the devil does not like it. He no, does sir. not like to see people coming to Christ, walking into the light. He wants to make sure people remain in darkness. And another thing I've found out, the more you are a light in the community, the more you are really putting forth that light in the community. Many times, as I used to say out in West Texas, a bright light always attracts more bugs <laughs> and sometimes you get just kind of crazies come in there you get all yeah. kinds of people because you're a, a shining light and i believe that i believe satan will use that as well he'll put the wrong he'll bring the wrong people in at the same time uh to create issues for you Okay, folks, we'll get back to our conversation in just a moment, but I wanted to share with you the vision and the passion that we have here at the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. We believe that every church should thrive. That's right, every church thriving. We're going to do everything we can to help that take place. We can't make your church thrive for you. We can't do the ministry for you, but we may be able to point you to someone who can help you, give you the encouragement, maybe the information or the training or whatever it is, the resources you may need that your church could truly thrive. Truly, that's going to happen when we are, as we say in one of our ministry areas, is we're, we, we're the church. If we can be the church, and that's one area we want to help you be the church is by learning to get together with other pastors and cohorts and, and learning and 
getting encouraged from one another, but also by sending and getting us out and doing what God has called us to do outside of our four walls by planting churches and reaching others through Christ. So may this year be the most wonderful, thriving year in your ministry. You've also done a ministry within the community and so to speak, uh, rallied other believers in ministry around the thing called Love Inc. or Love Incorporated. Right. Uh, why don't you tell us a little more about that kind of ministry and what's happening there? Okay. So <clears throat> since I, uh, I want to say since Love Inc. came to the area, it was probably about 12, 13 years ago, our church had already been a partnering church with Love Inc. The whole idea is that, that Love Inc. mobilizes the local church uh, to, to love the lost, to help those in need. And you're doing all these things together. So it's kind of a hub to mobilize all these churches. So our church had already had been actively involved in that. Uh, we would do rallies and, and different ministry days. And man, we'd show up with 20, 25 people ready to go and, and bring furniture to the poor. In fact, I had, I had a former deacon. He, he rode with me one Saturday delivering some dressers and beds and things of that nature. And he said, you know, I just don't get this. I mean, we're just giving junk to people. And I said to him, I said, listen, and I won't mention his name, but I said, look, just, just stay with me on this and, and you'll see why we're doing what we're doing. Well, it took just a couple more Saturdays, times of prayer with these lost families, these low-income families. You know, a dresser and a bed was everything to a family that didn't have anything. We'd walk into apartments and places where people are sleeping on piles of clothes. I mean, they had no furniture, no beds, um, nothing. And we're praying with these people and, and sharing the gospel. And we got back into the vehicle, and he's like, I get it. This isn't just junky old furniture. And I, I always make the, you know, the joke, all of our used stuff, it's a bridge towards sharing the gospel with people in need. So we do these things. We're a part of this as a partnering church. Um, we've seen a lot of people come to faith in Christ, get plugged into the local church. And then God opened up the door for me to be the director. Uh, I'm the executive director of Love Inc. My wife is the administrative assistant, so God really opened the door for her as well. And we just lead these churches into helping the poor, helping low-income families. Um, not everybody gets saved, obviously. Not everybody gets plugged in the local church. But I'm telling you, we've seen people completely lost, without hope, without Christ, give their lives to Jesus, plug into the church, get baptized. And you would have never known that we literally plucked them from the streets of our community. So God's really used this. And then this last, um, you know, fall, God allowed us to put a loving donation center uh, storage facility on our property. Um, it's Love Inks. They own it. Uh, but we have all sorts of items in there, furniture and uh, microwaves and toasters and pots and pans, everything you would think of for a family in need. And we just simply use that as a tool and a bridge to share the gospel with the community. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And it goes hand in hand with our, obviously our, our main ministry at Houghton Baptist in our, our first positions there. Yeah. And Dave, I understand when you're doing this kind of ministry, not all those people are going to come into your church and no. they may never darken the door of your church, but that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to share the gospel. You're doing something outside of yourself 
And, you know, there are some members and church people who think, well, if we're not getting anything out of it, why should we be doing it? But right. I think that, again, you've reinforced that, that truth and that point that it's really not about us. It's about the lost and reaching them and sharing the gospel and impacting our community mm. with the cause of Christ. And, and you guys have done that admirably and very, very well. Listen, I understand, because you because of this, you've seen different and significant growth. Now I'm not talking about just a pandemic time because in the pandemic, many of our churches have just kind of been up and down or stable and they've had to go to a different type of settings, whether it's a, a video type of uh, worship service and or uh, physical presence, but you still had to build your church needed more space and you guys built some more. What that were you growing that much that you just needed the new space or what? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we made the decision, I want to say five and a half years ago, which is funny that you, you make decisions to change your ministry focus, your mission, your vision, all of that. At the same time, we knew that, all right, God was going to add to our number. We built uh, an addition five years ago and, and uh, just started to see God increase numbers there at the church. And of course, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that the pandemic has caused so many different difficulties. Um, the highs and lows of attendance, um, you know, people get coming again, they feel comfortable and fear, you know, sends them right back home. Sickness sends them home. And I get all of that, but I'll tell you, and I'm probably not alone. The fatigue of my church, the fatigue of my team, my staff, my volunteers, our church body, even myself, and my wife. I mean, we're, we're tired with, the back and forth, the buildup, the knockdown that keeps happening. And, you know, I mean, look, just two weeks ago, we had 181 show up for our Christmas service um, and uh, pace, place was packed. God was moving. Um, and then you have to deal with the lull of holiday Sundays and everything like that. So I, I just we knew that God wanted us to increase our size not to just fit more people, but to grow our whole ministry. Uh, and he's done that. In fact, we finally had uh, our church paid off. We're debt-free now, um, which is incredible. I mean, we took out a $230,000 uh, loan on this with 109 people in our church. And so God's paid that off. We had a, a, a generous gift come in from a, actually a, a loving donor who just wanted to sow into my wife and I's ministry. Uh, bless the church with a $36,000 gift for future salary for staff. And so God's doing all these incredible things, but you've got all the, just the fatigue of the body in the church too. So I'm just, I'm at a point right now where I keep telling the Lord, God, you got to, you surely you can do more than what my wife and I can do. Surely you can do more than what our team can do and our church can do. And I'm just really keep putting the church right back in his hands. And it's incredible to watch God work, but it's a process. Absolutely. It's a process. And I'm, I'm telling you, Dave, you're not the only one dealing with this. That's why we do these kind of podcasts for our pastors. Mm -hmm. Many, many, many of our pastors are dealing with pandemic fatigue. It's yep. just, it's unrelenting for many of them. Some thought, well, we're through it. We're going to be on the other side of it. Then it comes back. Or yep. they think that everything is good. And we finally got into a normal level understanding that some people aren't there and then you get a, an influx of people and then an outflux. It's just, it's frustrating because 
it's not the norm of how we do church and how we can understand right. whether we're being effective. I have come to believe, and I understand this, the effectiveness of our ministry is not dependent upon how many we have in attendance or no. how, what, how we measure those numbers, but whether or not God is pleased with what we are doing. Are we in the middle of his will doing what he said? Are we faithful to it? And are we staying close and clean mm. as individuals and leaders? If we're doing that, God is pleased. Just stay by. It, it's going it, to, it'll produce its fruit. Uh, oh, farmers know this. The, in the agricultural uh, illustrations in the scripture are there uh, throughout the word of God, where it, it, you first you have to till up hard soil. It takes time. You have to break it up. You have to put the seed in. You mm. have to cover it. It has to water. It has to grow. That takes an enormous amount of labor and time and personnel and people. It just takes all that before there is ever even a sprout that comes up. Then we have to help it grow. Right. Then we have to see it eventually bear fruit. But even though it's bearing fruit, we haven't seen the harvest yet. Right. Then we have to harvest. And there's so many other things going. So, you know, we can take that analogy on and on and on. But the whole point is it doesn't happen overnight. Right. And it's not real exciting, all of the things that we do in ministry. <laughs> no. It's uh uh, it's just not. So my friend, you did a great job and we are proud of what you're doing there and excited to be part of that and to share in that ministry with you. Well, tell me, is there anything that you've got on your heart about plans for the future? What kind of vision do you see for your church that you'd like to share with us? Now you, you say, well, man, right in the middle of pandemic, right in the middle of all this stuff, all these changes, but I'm telling you, God still puts things on your heart and he still gives right. you vision. Anything God telling you about where you're going and what he wants you to do in the future? I will say this, that everything that I did prior to pandemic, events, you know, outreach, what, most of these things, they're just not working as well as they were before. And so I'm at a place now where I'm going, all right, God, I don't have all the ideas. I don't have all the wisdom with this. You know my heart. You know my physical body the way it is. You know my own suffering. And God in the last few weeks is just telling me, all right, I, I want you as a church to rest. Now, that may seem like, wow, that's counterproductive. You're not going out and doing what you normally do. You're not pushing. I just, I feel like in this season, as much as I have, I, I mean, think about it. I've led this church to grow to 250 four times in 14 years, and it's like playing Jenga with the kingdom. <laughs> and, and, and the enemy just keeps, boom, knock it over, build back up, boom, knock it over. And obviously, we can't help pandemic and COVID and all this nonsense, but it's, it's, I'm at a point now where I'm going, all right, in this season with my family and this season with our church, I look at the mental health of our body, Tim. And it's, it's frightening because I would say 80 to 90% of our church, they, everybody has really real issues happening right now that I can't fix. I can't, um, you know, I can't make better, it seems like, as, as I once did. And so I'm just putting the church this season in a season of rest and sitting. 
for my family, for myself, for our team. And I'm, and I'm just really waiting on the Lord. What is our next step? Where do you want us to go? How do you want us to build? Um, maybe it's like Gideon and he's removing people in a way to where we're going to be more effective. Uh, but, but we're just trusting. So I have no big plans besides sitting, resting, and letting God renewing us and renewing our church. I think that's a really big plan. I think that's a really good vision and it's biblical because there is a season for all things. And sometimes you just need to sit back and rest. What was it uh, that Jesus told the disciples? We need to come apart and rest a while. Right. I had one old pastor who said that, I think it was Vance Havender. He's dead and gone a, a pastor of years, decades back. He said, yes, that's what Jesus said. And he said, if you don't come apart and rest a while, you'll just come apart. Right. And we and we will. And that's what we need. We need to have times of rest, restoration, and restoring our lives. So, Dave, it has been a joy to talk with you and hear your heart and your vision and your passion. Hopefully, we can get you on our podcast again and we can talk more about these things. And uh, if there are pastors who would like to talk to you or share with you, is there, would that be okay if we uh, do that, have them connect with you and maybe email you or contact you in some way? Uh, would you mind sharing your email address with us all here online so that they could uh, connect with you? Sure. Yeah, it's Whitaker at HoughtonBaptist.org. And I'd love to hear from anybody. And if I can encourage somebody, I would. Um, I think more pastors need to know that it's okay to rest and take your foot off the gas and just sit back and let God do some work. Amen. Well, Dave, thank you for joining with us today, folks. Again, it's been a privilege to have you join in. Thank you for taking your time to listen and to share in what God is doing here in Michigan among our pastors and leaders as we together punch holes in the darkness. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness.